your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Hey, welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. And I have to say, right before we started the show, I had myself a peanut butter brownie Built Bar. And I think that's the reason why we're going to have a great show today, Cammy. As always, follow us on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow Cammy at Cammy and G. And you can follow the podcast episodes on Twitter at LO underscore Longhorn. Cam, it is Monday. We're going to dive right into it. We've got a lot of recruiting talk, maybe some season outlook, get into a little bit of basketball talk. But I want to start with our top story of the day, which is not a positive one. Quay Davis has committed to the University of Southern Cal. Yeah, I was just about to mention, I'd rather start with the bad news and then progress onwards to the good news. But um, yeah, he did commit to USC and that's just part of recruiting. You can't really beat yourself up too much. Uh, You just kind of have to hope that you did put your best foot forward in terms of that particular process, in my opinion. And if it doesn't work out, then you pick your feet up and go in a new direction. So uh, the rest is really kind of out of your control. I'd rather him commit somewhere like that, uh, for example, USC, than to go somewhere like Oklahoma or Baylor or anywhere in the Big 12. So um, you just got to take what they give you, kind of. Yeah, and and I get that part of it. The difficult part about like trying to grasp the situation here is the fact that he never visited USC. So, you know, that's kind of interesting. He's committing to a school that he hasn't even been on the campus of. That was kind of shocking to me. And uh, Ryan Young of the USC Rivals website, he put out yesterday their story. And one of the quotes that's really interesting is, is he said here, they're recruiting their butt off for me, he told us in February. They're talking to me strong, 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 more than Texas. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. So it seemed like Texas was, and and I'm just going based off that story, but it it seems like Texas was a little lackadaisical when it came to recruiting him. Now, I understand that there was a lot of, I, I can't really say that they were backing off of him completely, but the fact that Quay Davis was a guy who originally committed to SMU, decommitted, committed to Texas, several months later decommits from Texas, opens the recruiting back up. So I don't really know how to how to dive into that. And maybe it was just a situation where they, you know, maybe they weren't talking to him as strong because they didn't believe that he would stick to his commitment. Yeah, and you know, this brings me back to the point that we discussed a few episodes prior regarding how important, um, I guess, the future of coaching staff is in terms of someone's decision like that. Um, For him not to go and visit that campus, it just goes to show that he was basing his decision solely, I guess, on um, the coaching staff at that point and whoever was recruiting him. So um, I guess in terms of him, if I were in his shoes, I would really hope those coaches stay around um, his entire collegiate career. And if not, um, what if he ends up not loving the campus as much as he thought or he's just not happy there? I don't know. I think that's a big risk, but um, we'll see if it works out. Yeah, and the, the interesting part about that is there's been so much said, you know, in, in the media in L.A. regarding USC, Coach Helton, how, you know, so much of that fan base wants him out. Obviously, they have you know, Todd Orlando's now there. They also have Graham Harrell, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, he could have been the offensive coordinator here in Texas. You know, Texas recruited, or I should say recruited him. They were trying to get him to come to Texas. He decides to stick it out one more year in USC. And so it was just an interesting 
thing to look at and see, you know, the uh, stability there, I think, in at USC is less so than here at Texas, you know. And so, you know, it was a little surprising. So within a calendar year, that's the second wide receiver that has chose USC over Texas, obviously, Brew McCoy transferred from Texas after only being on campus for one semester. Uh, But let's get into the positive news of the day. Uh, Jordan Thomas, four-star defensive end, has committed to the University of Texas, choosing Texas over Texas A&M. Yes, this is actually huge news for them. I know um, Tom Herman and uh, his staff have made it a top priority to strengthen the defensive line. It looks like their plans are coming together. Uh, Like we've mentioned, they landed five-star defensive end Alfred Collins in 2020, five-star defensive end Jatavian Sanders in the 2021 class, and now they're adding on uh, Thomas, who you mentioned is that four-star defensive end on Saturday. He committed to Texas, so he's the number 25 overall rated player in the state of Texas in the 2021 recruiting class. Um, He's a big boy, 6'3", 240-pound prospect. Um, he, what was surprising to me is he didn't receive, um, like a flood of offers, but he did have some, uh, high-end schools in there, like LSU, uh, like you mentioned, a couple of big 12 schools like Baylor and TCU, but his final decision came down between Texas and Texas A&M. So it's always nice when, uh, uh, the Longhorns get the edge over the Aggies, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, Oscar Giles is going to have no shortage of talent to develop in the next few years. He absolutely won't have any shortage. Uh, you talk about Thomas, 25 overall rated player in the state of Texas, uh, according to 24-7 Sports. I mean, you went over his measurables, uh, the Port Arthur prospect, like you said, LSU, Baylor, A&M, TCU. So the fact that they were able to keep him away from A&M and keep him away from other schools in the Big 12 would be huge. Obviously, weak side defensive end is going to be a position of need in the coming future mostly because the player who's going to be playing that position this next season is Joseph Asai. And if he has a breakout season, we might be looking for a new defensive end come 2021 as Osai could go to the NFL draft. Uh, so it'll be interesting to watch that, how it unfolds, and hopefully with the new defense, they're able to get more production out of the position and hopefully help bring the Texas defense back near the top of the conference and hopefully bring Texas back to the top of the conference. But speaking of the 2021 class, so I decided to take a look at where we oftentimes, and I know you do this too, we spend so much time looking at 24-7 rankings. Um, You know, I decided to do a little bit of a throwback. You know, growing up, recruiting as far as the news-wise wasn't as readily available as it is today with rivals scout uh, at one time um, ESPN's now doing recruiting 24 uh, seven has come along a long way. You know, uh, when I was growing up, all that we had was Texas football, Dave Campbell's Texas football. And so I decided to go old school and look at his rankings. So first I wanted to look at last year's class. And Texas recruited five of the top 25 players in the state of Texas last year. Number six was Jaquindon Jackson. Number eight is Hudson Card. Vernon Broughton, the second, was number 11. Alfred Collins, 16th. And Xavier Alford was number 25. So that's five of the top 25. And you think it can't get much better than that, right, Cammie? Right, but just to make a quick note on that, uh, why is Alfred Collins? He seems kind of low on that list to me. I, I, I 
wasn't 100% sure on that, but... Uh, that could have been an earlier list than when he kind of uh, switched to a five-star, maybe? Uh, well, I, I pulled up the latest, so it, it, it was probably updated. Uh, but, you know, it, for whatever reason, I mean, you could also say, well, why is Hudson Card ranked behind Jaquin Jackson? Right, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, based on, based on different recruiting sites, they're going to have different ideas or different thoughts. And, and so I... I took a look here, uh, and, and other players that were in the top 40, is Troy Omier was 32nd, Jalen Gar 34th, Logan Parr 37th. So out of the top 40, they had eight players. Now, if you look at this year's class, current commits, Jatavion Sanders is number three, Billy Bowman 15th, Jalen Milrow is 20th, Hayden Connor 38th, and Derek Harris is 39th. Those are the guys that are currently committed to Texas. And these are some of the targets I wanted to look at here. Number one, big shock, Tommy Brockermeyer. But they also have Savion Bird, Clayton Smith, Shamar Turner, Ishmael Ibrahim, Garrett Nussmeyer, who's probably going to LSU, and J.D. Coffey. So Texas could legitimately have 10 of the best players in the state of Texas coming to Texas. And I think it's important for Texas to win recruiting in their own state. Oh yeah. I, we all know, I guess it's an argument on Twitter these days between Texas and Georgia, but Texas by far produces the best football talent. Um, high school football in terms of uh, college production, usually um, like we mentioned, the NFL draft had the most Texas products drafted. So 32. Uh, yeah, geez. It seemed like every time someone was drafted, um, but even whether they were from Texas or not, it seemed like their draft party was like in Texas or something. But um, yeah, it's huge. The uh, talent level in Texas in terms of football is um, unlike any other state. So yes, you have to recruit well, especially when you're the University of Texas. Yeah, the top draft pick from the state of Texas went number three in the NFL draft. And I'm talking about Jeffrey Okuda who played for Ohio State, but he was a Grand Prairie product. Uh, he was the highest drafted kid from Texas. So obviously, Texas produces talent year in and year out. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to get into some Deshaun Jameson talk and depth. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is changing the game in protein bars. And Cami, you could probably atone to this or, or, or agree with this here. Uh, how often have you had a protein bar and you had to wash it down immediately with half oh, a gosh. gallon of water? Actually, quite often. It's very rare when I find one where I don't have to do that. Well, let me tell you, Built Bar, I've had them. They're fantastic. Uh, you can actually eat this and you don't have to worry about washing it down immediately. There's there's no chalky taste. You know, when you eat a protein bar, you can definitely tell it's a protein bar, right? There's no taste. It's gritty. It's hard to eat. The great thing about Built Bar, you don't have those issues. It is fantastic. And let me tell you, uh, I had the peanut butter brownie this morning. It's great. It's in the running for the best flavor, although I got to go with the mint brownie. And the great thing about these, 110 calories, seven times less sugar, seven times less carbs than the normal competing protein bar. So it's definitely up there. I mean, you're, you're not having to deal with uh, – Worrying about your macros because it has less sugar, less carbs, and it tastes great. And if you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON. They're going to give you $10 off your first box. You can build your own box or get one that's already set. But once again, 
go to builtbar.com and use that promo code locked on to get $10 off your first order. Cammy, so I was checking out Pro Football Focus. They have a, an NFL draft account on Twitter, uh, PFF Draft, where all they do is college football. And I was taking a look at some of their, and we've done this in the past where we looked at top returning offensive linemen, whether you're talking about Samuel Cosme, who's projected to be a top draft pick. So I looked and they had the top three returning cornerbacks and coming in at number three is Deshaun Jameson. Uh, last season, he came away with three interceptions. He also is a big time part of the returning game as a punt returner. So, are you expecting big things in a new defense from Deshaun Jameson? Oh, for sure. And like I mentioned, I think there's a handful of guys back there in the secondary that uh, just can you can plug in and start and uh, they'll obviously be successful. So in terms of uh, kind of narrowing out the depth chart in the secondary is quite difficult. But um, I think with the added emphasis on the pass rush, like we've been going over, uh, the secondary should look even better in 2020. I think uh, Jameson is still going to be very important in the return game this upcoming season. So I'm expecting big things out of him. You know, I think, Cammy, when you look at this defensive backs in the secondary, there's really two guys that you can really pencil in as, you know, starters, um, essentially. And I know we'll dive more into the depth chart later on, but Deshaun Jameson, Caden Stearns are two guys that I kind of look at and, and just go ahead and pencil them in as starters. Actually, I'll put that in ink. They're starting. Uh, I think it's the other positions that might have some flexibility, maybe some flux there. Uh, but those two guys I feel like are going to be starters, and I feel like both of them should do well in a Chris Ash defense. Yeah, I agree. I think those are your probably two best athletes back there. Um, like we mentioned, if Caden Stars can stay healthy and um, keep himself on the field, and he can likely uh, be a high draft pick next year, either late first round or early second. So, um they have plenty of depth there, for example, even when if or when Stearns heads to the NFL. But uh, Jameson's young. He's going to be a factor in the return game. So um, the sky's the limit for him. Speaking of Caden Stearns in the NFL draft, DraftWire came out with their latest mock draft for the 2021 season. Caden Stearns was in the first round being drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that would be a perfect landing spot for him it would be perfect uh obviously i cover the cowboys as many of y'all well know um so you look at their depth chart and their contract situation there's a lot of flux there as well because xavier woods is on the final year of his contract they need a safety haha clinton Dix, final year of his contract they could potentially move chidobe woozie to safety and guess what he's also on the final year of his contract it would be a great spot except for that part that I hate to bring up and I don't want to feel like I'm being negative, but the Cowboys don't draft safeties in the first round. In fact, they don't draft them before round six. Right, and I think um, his injury concerns would probably scare them off a bit or at least drafting him that high. So I'm curious to see how this year goes for him. I am too, and I, I really hope that he has a good season between him and Deshaun Jameson. Uh, that duo has combined for seven interceptions over the last two seasons. Obviously, if they can get the production from both of them in the same season, that only will help because 
Aiden Stearns got four as a freshman, didn't have any last year. Obviously, he had injury concerns. And Deshaun Jameson had three last year. Uh, but let's get into a little depth chart discussion. I want to touch base on this a little bit. Uh, recently, you put out your projected 2020 depth chart. And let's talk about the quarterback situation. Uh, obviously, this is one that is pretty much set in stone. Sam Ellinger will be your starter. And I'm going to make a bold prediction. What? He is going to be the best quarterback wearing number 11 in the state of Texas in 2020. Uh, hopefully. Hey, no, hopefully. Hey, the other 11, I've seen his numbers. He's not that great. <laughs> so that's what's shocking Yeah, there's to too, me. there's too much comparisons going on with that. And, and it's shocking to me that I've seen him talked about as a first-round draft pick. Yeah, and do you want to let them know who you're talking about? Oh, no, we don't We don't bring his name up <laughs> at school. No, no, yeah. no. no. He's no, talking no. about Munn from Texas A&M, but Ellinger, should, I think, should have a more successful season than hey, him. You know, I, I will say this. When you have the first name Kellen and you wear the number 11, chances are you're not going to be a very good quarterback at the NFL level. Oof. You're bringing Oof. in the hot takes. Oh, I got all the hot takes today. All right. We know that it's Ellinger at the top. I'm thinking Casey Thompson is going to be QB2. Yeah, I think that's kind of a no-brainer at the moment. He knows the system well. He's uh, been behind Sam Ellinger for a few years now. I think he's a for sure a backup quarterback, and I think that's smart. I know um, a lot of people think Hudson Card is Ellinger's successor. Um, I know I do, and um, it's just smart to kind of hopefully be able to redshirt him his true freshman season and then take over uh, in 2021, but – um, I think that's one of the easier uh, position battles in terms of the depth chart. Um, but, yeah, I don't see Hudson Card kind of making it uh, higher up the depth chart until 2021. Yeah, and in 2021, you're penciling in Hudson Card as QB1 over Casey Thompson. Uh, I, I, that's hard. That's very hard for me. I think it's going to be a good position battle. I think they're going to open up that open up that competition. I don't think it's going to be a for sure uh, case either with Casey or Hudson Card. Um, we haven't really gotten to see Casey Thompson play much, obviously, um, and we won't unless Ellinger gets hurt. So I think it's going to be a good position battle, but um, I would lean towards Card. You're going to lean towards Card. Well, I mean, when you, when you look at Casey Thompson, I mean, we're talking about a four-star prospect. He was the number six-rated prospect out of the state of Oklahoma, number 14 on the dual-threat quarter, dual quarterback. So he's obviously a talented kid. Uh, but I think that you are overlooking my guy, Jaquindon Jackson. Yeah, he's just a little – he's going to be a little behind in terms of uh, being in that system, so I think you have to get the edge to the guys already there. But it's going to be a very, very, very tough and exciting position battle to watch in 2021. Well, I will say this. How much work are they actually getting in right I know. now? So, <laughs> exactly. I, don't know I feel bad could... for their early enrollees this year because, I mean, you're, you're coming in early for that specific reason, and now it seems like everyone's kind of on the same level, whether they were early enrollees or not. So um, I feel bad, but – yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Coming up next, we're going to get into some talk about Vernon Broughton the second, what he's doing, some thoughts on classic uniforms, and what's this with the Rothstein 45? All right, Cammie. So the, the early enrollees, we were just talking about how they're not really able to get in much work 
with COVID-19, with not being allowed to be on campus, working out with the team. But that hasn't stopped Vernon Broughton II from getting his workouts in. Yeah, I know. And I, I think it's kind of fun to see how creative people are being with their workouts and um, how they're keeping in shape during this time. But he's apparently working out with his dad um, quite a bit because his dad has been um, posting videos of their workouts on Twitter quite often. And a couple of them a few days ago caught our eye that we actually put up on the website, um, just going through ladder drills and things like that. But the intensity was high. And uh, for a big man, he can definitely uh, move quick. Hey, uh, I heard somebody say before, slow feet don't eat. And uh, he was off, obviously showing off the quick feet with some of those ladder drills. And, you know, that's important for a defensive lineman, have quick feet, because obviously they're having to to move around a lot, um, you know. And it's interesting you brought up his dad, you know, posting a videos. He actually, uh, I, was, I was on Twitter last night and he had tweeted out, he was looking for an Olympic bar. So apparently the workouts are not done. For Vernon Broughton the second, his dad is continuing to train him as they wait out this whole pandemic and and to find out when they can eventually get back on the field. And you know this probably goes back to the reason why Tom Herman was so upset that he can't send equipment to his guys because his guys are out there now having to find their own equipment, build their own equipment to work out. And, and you know it, it kind of goes back to the conversation with Tom Herman getting upset about it, and it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I agree. And I think it kind of gives an edge to guys like Broughton who have someone, um, whether it's his dad, a close friend, a brother, whoever it may be, an uncle, um, just kind of there to uh, light a fire under them while they're exercising to keep that intensity really high. Um, his dad definitely wasn't going easy on him. Definitely not. And if you're going to be a uh, top tier athlete and go to a school like the University of Texas, chances are you had somebody really pushing you along the way. And, and obviously it looks like uh, senior was the one doing that. Uh, so I was checking out The Athletic, and Stuart Mandel posted an article about classic uniforms. And this is a topic of conversation, of course, for you know Longhorn fans. Some want them to change it up. Some want them to go classic. It was interesting that he talked about keeping it classic, you know, staying – you know, and he used a quote from Daryl K. Royal, which was, go to the dance with what brung you. And, oh, I, I love that saying, by the way. Yeah, it's it's great. It's a great saying. And, you know, it's the it's the classic look. Uh, we've had this conversation. I mean, if you, when you look at sports teams in general, uh, whether it's the Yankees, you know what that NY symbol is no matter where you go. You know that's the New York Yankees, the Dallas Cowboys star. You know exactly what that is. I would say that the Texas Longhorn Bevo symbol is right up there. Oh, it has you, to be. And I think that, when you yeah. see that, you know it's the Longhorns. Yeah, and it's not just college. I think that's kind of a universal for any sport. You just know um, for the school in general that that's the Longhorns. I bet if you were to pull all these people with, I don't know, let's say like 30 or 40 different, um, I guess, symbols like that, um, nine times out of 10, people would know exactly which one that is. Yeah, and so I just thought it was interesting that they were, he was giving props to the schools who have kept it uh, traditional. Uh, when right. you're talking about Alabama, Auburn. Texas, Penn State, USC, 
you know, some of those schools that have, that have stuck with it. And, you know, it's interesting. And one of the quotes that he had in the article was one of the coaches was saying that it kind of helps with recruits because they like the, you know, the latest, greatest, you know, changing it up. It helps with the young guys. But I tell you what, with uh, the way that some of these teams recruit, it doesn't really feel like those uniforms make that big a difference. Sure, going to Oregon would be cool, and you wear a different helmet every game and a different jersey combination, different pants. It's fantastic. But And maybe it helps Oregon recruit. Maybe it does. And, and obviously, uh, having a huge donor like, you know, the head of Nike being an Oregon alum, maybe could they get, a, you know, get all those different equipment. And maybe it helps. Uh, but it sure doesn't seem to bother these schools like Texas, Alabama, Auburn from recruiting well. Yeah, and I appreciate the uh, classic look. And I know, I guess, depending on the recruits, um, there are some old school feels out there that appreciate the classic as well. But um, I, when I was younger, I actually um, fell right into this trap. I loved all the Nike new uniforms that Oregon was constantly putting out. Um, you're obviously going to get a lot of cool free stuff from that school. But um, we always talk about this and how people want to change Texas's jerseys or add black or whatever it may be. And um I yeah I'm a classic girl I think they should keep it how it is and um, I love that saying about uh, basically don't change what brought you here so um, hopefully they'll keep it along those lines and and speaking of uniforms did you see this from rivals Mike Mike Farrell tweeted out his top 10 college football helmets Uh, Texas at number eight yes and I do not agree with that I think in college football especially like I mentioned, it's universal, but when you're bringing, breaking it down just in college football, I think Texas has a top three or four uh, helmet, arguably um, top two. So I didn't agree with that too much. Here's my thing. I can agree with a lot of Mike's list here. Florida State being up there at number four, I can agree with. Notre Dame, very classic look. What I don't agree with was that number three, he had Oregon which my whole thing is, which helmet are they wearing that week? Yeah, exactly. I was confused why that was there, too. And um, I would put Texas easily above Oregon. I would put the U, University of Miami, who followed number six. I would put them above Oregon. Um, I'd probably keep that looks like Georgia and USC and LSU below. So, um, yeah, I would have bumped up Texas and the U for sure. Definitely. I probably would take Oregon out of that completely. Uh, You look at, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, our our buddies over at the Fighting Irish Wire, uh, they put out their top 10, and it was kind of funny because one of the comments they made about Georgia was, that's just a knockoff of Green Bay. Take them out of the top 10. Oh, gosh. that's yeah. <laughs> And, and that's they also true. mentioned the fact that Michigan wears the same ones as uh, Delaware and Princeton wears that same look, just different colors. So they kind of knocked them down for using someone else's uh, logo. Uh, so – what would be your top um, – you obviously said Florida State can stay at number four. So who would be your top three? Uh, top three for me, uh, probably – I'd probably put the U at number one. Uh, I'd probably go – okay, so I'm going to go – I'm going to go four to one here. Uh, okay. Florida State at four. I think I go Texas at three. Uh, Notre Dame two. And then number one, I put the U. Yeah, I'm kind of along the same lines in terms of the top three. I just don't know which order I'd put them in in terms of the U, Texas, and Notre Dame. But kinda, I think we agree on this. And, and definitely Florida State in the mix there. I think you could you could you know move it around. But uh, I would also 
I could also make an argument for Alabama because they have that classic look with the numbers on the right. helmet. You mm-hmm. know, and, and you know that's that's a throwback. I like that a lot. So they would probably they'd have to be in my top five. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna have to work it out because there's just so much there. I, I don't know that I could stick to one. Uh, but let's get into this Rothstein 50, uh, 45. Have you heard about this, Kami? Yes, I have, and I was actually glancing at the article I believe that you put up about it. Uh, Griffin. Griffin. Griffin yeah. McVeigh of Longhorns Wire put up an article talking about talking about the Rothstein 45. Uh, now, John Rothstein is a CBS Sports National College basketball writer, and he put together he puts together his Rothstein 45, where he talks about the 45 best programs. Uh, and right now, he has Texas at 15. Now, normally, we're talking about the football team always being highly regarded heading into every year. Now right. we're starting to see some basketball talk of Texas being up there. Any shock to you with some of the things that we're hearing lately, you know, having, you know, now moving Texas has now jumped ahead of Texas tech in his Rothstein. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's surprising uh, just the impact that one player makes on all of those type of rankings and predictions and things like that. Obviously uh, we're talking about Greg Brown here, but this was never coming up uh, prior to Greg Brown committing to Texas. So this is all just within the past week or so. Um, where their projections have kind of skyrocketed. Like we mentioned, they're not just uh, little bumps. Like we're talking, um, they're getting pushed. What, what were they in uh, number four you mentioned? Uh, what was that for? The uh, latest projected bracketology from Joe yes. Lenardi. Yeah. He had Texas at four. Yeah, that was the biggest jump. And Tech at three in the same bracket. So that would be interesting to have both of them in the same bracket playing against each other in, you know, the NCAA tournament. But, yeah, so it's interesting. So he also put out his projected starters, which I found interesting. Mm-hmm. He has Matt Coleman, Courtney Ramey, no shock there, Andrew Jones, who arguably should be in the starting lineup. You know, it's been a year now since he, he's recovered from the leukemia, and now he's – Feeling like he's getting back to where he was when he was recruited as a top combo guard in the country. Mm-hmm. So you now you have those three. You have Kai Jones and Greg Brown. The interesting part is they don't have Jericho Sims, who was your starter in the post. Now they've replaced him with Kai Jones and Greg Brown, your projected bench at having Kamaka Hepa, Jace Febris, who's returning from injury, Will Baker, Brooke Cunningham, or I'm sorry, Brock Cunningham, Royce Ham. Gerald Liddell, Donovan Williams, and, of course, Sens. A little interesting that they would go with Kai Jones over Sens, but maybe just because of how Kai played down the stretch, I understand. But uh, Jericho was your best big man on the boards. Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting. I think it's too early to kind of uh, pinpoint who the starters may be. They obviously um, have a long off season to go before really inking that. But um, it's just interesting to me how how like we mentioned how much one player can kind of impact your entire outlook. Yeah, it just completely changed the dynamic of this team and where they're at, where they're projected. Um, you know, so I just thought that was interesting and something we could go over, but. That's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you tune into the latest edition of the Locked On Big 12 podcast. For Cammie, I'm Patrick, and we will see you on Wednesday. Hook em.